this is not your parents' economy. Things have changed a lot in our economy. It's not like it used to be. We have huge technology innovation. The speed at which things are happening is dramatic, and that's creating a different way of how you need to invest. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. This is Louis Giannis. I am the founder of WealthNet Investments. Today, we have an interesting topic, and I'm really excited about diving in, so let's get going. This is Lewis Giannis, and this is the Market Call Show. I'm going to just talk about some things that are on my desk today, just because there's a lot of interesting things going on, particularly with the international markets and also with some of the spending plans and budget issues that we're dealing with. And I had a very interesting conversation this morning. So I had a 6.30 a.m. interview on the Lifeblood podcast, and it was a really interesting conversation because it was moderated by a gentleman who actually has been in the advisory world. He has a 401k management company. And so the questions that he asked are really interesting. I, I thought it was interesting because it got me thinking about ways that people can apply what's going on in our brain. And, and sometimes it's hard to translate things that we're seeing come across our desk and then convert it into actionable, real things that people can benefit from, which is really the whole reason why we do this. But one of the things he asked was, what do people need to know about your work right now? I just thought that was an interesting question because as I started thinking it through, what really came to mind was that people need to understand a couple of things. One is that this is not your parents' economy. Things have changed a lot in our economy. It's not like it used to be. We have huge technology innovation, the speed at which things are happening is dramatic. And that's creating a different way of how you need to invest. And we have huge budget deficits, which is another part of the, this is not your parents economy equation, because we had some pretty good size budget deficits and debt, but now we have really an enormous amount of debt and that's changing the landscape. It's changing the economics, the interest rate economics, the taxation economics, the inflation economics, and all of those things lead to potential problems that we also have some evidence, I could argue, and this is maybe controversial, but there's some evidence that there's quite a bit of corruption in our government and maybe even accelerating. So these are things that we have to protect ourselves from. And the reason why this is important is that inflation and taxes will eat your money. Inflation and taxes have always been a problem. But I think that problem is actually potentially a lot larger problem now than it used to be because of these issues we're talking about. If we have these huge budget deficits, obviously, either we're going to print money to pay for it or we're going to increase taxes. We'll probably continue to do a combination of those two things. So taxes are going to eat at your money more. So that means you need to have more money in order to be retire ready. And I also think inflation could be an issue. Obviously, everybody sees the inflation that we're having right now. There's been a discussion, hey, wow, this is going to be just temporary. But we're seeing that there's some structural issues that are happening now that maybe this could be more than just temporary. So tax inflation is a big part. That's why it's important right now to invest different. Also, the established rules that used to be the way you would do things, the way you would invest, how you would save. I think you have to kind of throw some of those rules out the door. Some rules stay the same. They're kind of evergreen. 
But some of the rules with regard to how you invest, like 60-40 stock bond portfolios, buying the indexes, buy and hold, I think that part of the equation is not the way to go. We're now in a different situation where I believe you need to do two things. You need to differentiate your portfolio more towards the future. What is the future change? And obviously, we always want to do this, but I think it's even more crucial now to differentiate and buy investments that are part of the bigger, better future of technology innovation, of all of the new things that are happening in the economy. And then to eliminate, eliminate stocks that are from the past. There's a lot of companies out there that I predict will probably not do well over the long run because of these changes. They're not going to be able to adapt. You don't want to own everything. You want to differentiate and focus on the good areas, part of the future, and you want to eliminate the past, the old stodgy companies that are not likely to adapt and give you profits in the future. And all of this is surrounded by smart planning and investing, which is really the biggest part of it. That's really the whole reason I'm here is to help people. I do what I do. I mean, I want to help people plan and invest so they can retire ready. And if you're already wealthy and you're financially independent, to keep that financial independence and to not be having your capital erode too much from taxes and inflation and to help you make smart decisions with those assets for your legacy. Money isn't everything, but money can help a lot. <laughs> so it's really important if you're younger and you're just get starting out, you really need to remember that you want to invest early and you want to save early. You don't want to wait till it's too late. Otherwise, you get stuck in a situation where you're later in life, you don't have enough, and then you're going to try to get too aggressive or some other problems can come up for that. So that's one thing that came on my desk. And the other thing that came on my desk was, I get this question a lot. How do you know what kind of advisor that you want to work with? Because basically, most people are not going to have all the tools that they're dispensed to do everything on their own. What I've realized is there's really four key advisors that I believe every person should have. And it should be a coordination between those four advisors. And I'll just give you the rundown real quick on that. Coordination between an investment advisor preferably a chartered financial analyst. That's kind of the gold standard for investment management. And then you're going to need a financial planning expert, somebody who is good about just doing all the planning part of it. It's a real important step because planning can generate a lot of extra return too because of saving on taxes, having the right structures, saving in the right way, saving the right amounts. That's generally a CFP or certified financial planner. And then you have your tax Taxes, again, are such a huge part of our world. A CPA, you got to have a good CPA. And then you have your legal, your attorney, mainly with your estate stuff to make sure you have your wills, your trusts, things like that in place. Make sure you're protected. There's other ancillary advisors that are important, like insurance people. But it's really important when you look at the criteria for who you want to talk to as advisors. You want to first and foremost, make sure they're fiduciary advisors, that they are legally obligated to be on your side. Because there's a lot of advisors out there that are commission-based, and a lot of times there can be conflicts. So you want to look for fee-only. That'd be the second thing I'd look at, not commission-based. And then I would also look at people that are credentialed. And I talked about those already, CFAs, CFPs, CPAs, and attorneys. But let me tell you, credentials are not enough just by itself. You have to have more than just credentials. You also need experience. People that have been through, in particular with the investments, people that have been through ups and downs in the markets and have proven that they give good advice in all conditions. And you don't want to have somebody who's just been in the business five years, 10 years even, because it's been a great market for that period of time. And they may not have the experience to know how to deal with 
bad times. And lastly, I think beyond the experience, your advisor should be able to give you good references, people that have been working with them for a period of time that have had success, because that will give you a stronger sense of ability. If you've got the experience and you have the referrals of people, and even all of that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the right advisor, but it's definitely going to improve the probability that you're going to have a great advisory team. So most people are busy working, doing their jobs, are busy doing other things, raising a family. You don't really have time necessarily to know all the ins and outs. So I strongly recommend those four advisors go through the criteria, fiduciaries, lack of conflicts, not commission-based, credentialed, and have the experience through ups and downs and uh, the ability to give you strong referrals. So that's another thing that's hit my desk. Another thing that's been hitting my desk is stuff having to do with, hey, do I have enough money to retire? How do I know that I'm ready to do this retirement thing? And I guess a lot of people are just saying, look, I want to just retire now. Or maybe I want to retire early. The way to look at this thing is that in my book, Financial Freedom Blueprint on page 171, I talk about, I call it an asset bucket. The concept is a sustainable amount of assets. How much does your asset bucket need to be? How big does it need to be in order for you to overcome things? So here's how you want to think about it. So imagine a large bucket and in that bucket is your money. Okay. So what's filling that bucket, what's coming in is your returns and your savings, right? So the returns you're getting from your portfolio or your savings. Now, if the returns are negative, obviously it's going to take away. But then you have this thing that people really forget about when you're dealing with sustainable withdrawal rates for making your money last. There's this concept of volatility. There's a known mathematical fact that because of volatility, movements up and down, that you actually have to have more money in order to sustain a certain percentage withdrawal rate. And I like to think of that as imagine jiggling that bucket back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And some of the water is spilling out. That's kind of like what volatility does to your portfolio, because when markets are down and you're still taking the same amount of money out, you have less shares and it takes more shares for your portfolio to move higher. And so volatility generally has what's called a reverse compounding effect. So you have that coming out of your asset bucket, and then you have three holes. Imagine three holes in the bottom of your bucket, and one of those holes is your taxes. We've already talked about how taxes leak out of your portfolio, and it's a big chunk, actually. Another is inflation. That's obviously as prices go higher, you're going to need more money. So therefore, that's going to make your bucket require more in it and more either more returns coming in it or more savings coming in it or you need to have a, just a bigger a bucket <laughs> with more water in it, if you will, or money, liquid money. And then the last thing is your spending. So if you're spending more, that hole is bigger. If you're spending less, that hole is smaller. So I really like this asset bucket concept because it really illustrates what you need, how you need to think about, am I ready to retire? So I can give you some rules of thumb. I, I put a little table in my book on page 175 as well, that talks about spending rates for sustainable income. So what percentage of your portfolio can you spend that will last the rest of your life? How much you can take out is really a function of when you decide that you're going to retire and just live off your portfolio. So the younger you are, the more life span you have left that you're going to be pulling money out. So the more money you need to have or the smaller your withdrawal rate you can take out. It's also a function of how you invest that portfolio. So if you invest it really conservatively, you're going to be able to take out less money from your portfolio because you need to have more money basically in order to make it work. 
a moderate investor, they can take a little bit more out and an aggressive investor can take a little bit more. But it's really important to understand you can't get too, it's not advisable to get too aggressive with your portfolio once you start withdrawing from it. Because remember that volatility bucket moving back and forth. And if you get aggressive, that volatility, that shaking happens more. So there's a sweet spot that you want to go for. And you can see this in the simulations. We've simulated this stuff out. If you get too aggressive, then your sustainable withdrawal rate is at risk because you have so much volatility. So just some rules of thumb. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to wealthnetinvest.com and click on the schedule a call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. Let's say you decide you're going to live off your money and you're 45. Looking at this table, I'm using Moshe Malevsky's got a great closed end formula. It's not to get too technical, but he wrote a formula basically in this paper that talks about sustainable withdrawal rates. So I'm doing this at a 90% success rate. So a 90% chance that you will not live out your money, right? That your money will last. So if you're 45, your lifespan remaining is like 35.78 years. And if you're a moderate investor, you can withdraw about 3.6% of your portfolio. So keep that in mind. If you want to retire early, you're only going to be able to pull out about 3.6% if you want a rock solid plan. So how much are you planning on spending in today's dollars? And you know, you're going to spend more over time, right? So you're looking at a sustainable withdrawal rate of your portfolio. It's only about 3.6%. And with rates where they are right now, and when the markets are more extended and the expected returns are lower, like they are today, that sustainable withdrawal rate literally could be less. So it's really important to think about that. You hear people talking about these big return numbers, how they make, I actually heard a guy say, oh, you know, you're only going to make 8% if you buy dividend stocks. But if you do what I tell you to do, you're going to make 30% reliable year after year. Well, I hate to tell you, but guys, 30% is like better than Warren Buffett, twice as good as Warren Buffett. So let's get real here. Okay, so let's go to somebody who's retires at 65. You retire at 65 and you're a moderate investor, you could take about 4.1% out. Keep that in mind. Figure out how much you want to spend if you want a rule of thumb, and then just divide that by, let's say, 4%, 0.04, and that's how much money you need as a baseline. Of course, if you really want to know the answer in a more precise fashion, you really should do a financial plan because that could actually look at your specific details, because there's a lot of moving parts that are different for everybody. So you might have a certain dollar amount in taxable accounts, non-taxable accounts, Roth IRAs, you might have an inheritances, you might have all these different things, your social security numbers are going to be different. Doing a plan will give you a much more precise number. But this is just a good rule of thumb. If you're starting out, and you want to just have a good rule of thumb, of knowing that if you have enough, that's a good place to start. So that's another thing that's hit my desk. Let's see, what else can I tell you about? Well, in the investment world, I want to switch over to, I read an interesting article. Actually, it was a really good research report by the Capital Group. The Capital Group, you probably have heard of the American funds. The American funds are one of the largest mutual fund families that's out there. We're not huge mutual fund fans, but we like to follow their work because they have some great analytical stuff that's done there. They put out this piece called Capital Ideas. And the title of this book is What I Learned on a Trip Through China. And it was written by, there's three people that are sourced here. Winnie Kwan, who's an equity portfolio manager. Ben Lin, 
also an equity investment analyst and a gentleman by the name of Lawrence Gong, equity investment analyst. Okay. And this is a really interesting article. It was actually written on November 10th. So it's been a while since this came out, but it's still very, very pertinent today. What I found interesting about this article is their colleagues at American Funds, at the Capital Group, they go to China and they spend a lot of time in China. And these people are all Chinese and they know Chinese and they are on the ground. And they took a trip back in May and they went to 16 cities and they had around 90 meetings and they went to 20 manufacturing plants and they were looking all over the villages and urban dwellers and talking to entrepreneurs and corporate executives. And they found some very interesting points. So they found that one of the things I thought was so interesting was the technology in digitization is just exploding there. So they were struck how fast it's happening for one. And it took them by surprise because COVID had some problems there, but it, even with all of those problems, the digitization is everywhere. You don't need to use cash at all virtually because everything's ID card oriented. They have the high-speed rails are really the best and most efficient way to get around the country. But business class seat, by the way, costs about $50 for a three-hour journey. That's pretty good. Think about that. And the flights are very efficient. So the transportation acceleration there has been absolutely phenomenal. And that's kind of the backbone and the infrastructure of the country. So we're definitely here in the United States behind there. So that's one thing to really think about. And I know a lot of people have been thinking about this. So if you compare, there's also a sense of pride, you know, in the Chinese people that he was talking about. They have this sense of pride about their achievements versus the rest of the world with public infrastructure and digital payments and internet platforms. The younger people, all of them felt that there was a sense of meritocracy, which you don't think about, you know, you think of communist China, but meritocracy is like the opposite of that. But there's still a sense of meritocracy there. And I know Jimmy Rogers, who's a famous international investor, talked about how China is, even though they're communists, if you will, they're still extremely entrepreneurial, hardworking, creative. And they're really focused in on a lot of people really want to get wealthy there. So that was one interesting thing. So the Chinese economy is also extremely diverse. That was one of the big things from this article. The Chinese economy, it's the world's second largest economy. And each region is different. Shanghai is cosmopolitan. It's booming, has an incredible amount of wealth creation. And it almost looks like how Hong Kong was in the 1980s. And if you've been to Hong Kong recently, you'll see it's a crazy, amazing city. So in the Yangtze River Delta region around Shanghai, large healthcare clusters are being developed in the cities of, I don't want to mispronounce this, my Chinese is not perfect, but Suzhou and Wuchi. You guys can correct me if I got that wrong. <laughs> But it's really interesting to see the regional. And the other big thing is the components in the manufacturing for electronic vehicles in the auto industry is really accelerating. And in fact, their software is ahead of ours in a lot of ways, according to them. So that's very interesting to see what's going on there. So this is a wake-up call for us as investors. We have this risk of getting into China because of the political risk and all of that. So to the extent that we can get exposure there and the extent that we can have peace in the region, I think that's going to determine our ability to make returns there. But having some money in international and emerging markets in China definitely still makes some sense, even though a lot of people are shunning it. I read another article by the same capital group, and I won't go into too much detail about it, but just suffice it to say that Europe 
is undervalued relative to the United States. And that is leading to opportunity. And right now, most people, if you look at most people's portfolios, they have hardly any international exposure. And last time this occurred, it was the time to buy international. And I think we're getting to the point where it makes sense to allocate more there into the developed markets too, which have really good valuation characteristics and things can get better. We have to be positive. Things can get better. We're so hung up right now on what's happening with the pandemic. But getting back to China, a couple more quick points is the healthcare innovation is also a big deal. So a lot of people used to work here in the United States. The sector is full of people that have returned to China from the U.S. They used to work here for companies like Regeneron, Genentech, Amgen, Biogen. They're scientists and researchers. And guess what? They're going back home and they're starting up healthcare companies. That's a wake-up call. This is great news for society as long as we can all work together. And hopefully we can find some investment to take advantage of that. Chinese government remains committed to providing drugs at a very affordable price. So there's talk about generic drug makers and price cuts and things like that. So this is something to keep an eye on. The second point I was going to make was about this internet, the internet platforms. There's a lot of regulatory scrutiny in that area. When they were there, they met with a few upstart internet service firms they were like multinational luxury good type companies, fast rising firm, they say here, discusses the balance sheet between the brand building and purchase fulfillment, which is a big theme in e-commerce. So e-commerce is a big deal there. And they definitely have their own infrastructure. So we'll see how that pans out. I'm sure that growth is going to continue. There's a demand for luxury goods there. It remains resilient in China so far. And there's definitely some opportunities and risks there. But having some money there makes some sense. Well, those are a few things that hit my desk in the last week. And I thought I'd just share that with you because we're coming up on the Christmas season. For those who celebrate Christmas, we just finished Hanukkah. And I'm sure there's other celebrations that I'm missing. And I apologize if I'm missing something. But I wish everybody to have a great holiday season. I want everybody to be with your family enjoy life, embrace each other, and we will talk to you later. Have a good day. For the latest episode of The Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. Information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.